This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to this week's episode of The Neuro Show. In today's episode... The dust has settled from the SL8 release. What are our thoughts on the actual product? How much is too much to spend on a bike and is afterpay or financing an option? What do we think of Matthew Vanderpool's amazing ride at the World Championships and Paznormal release a 500 US dollar skin suit? What are our thoughts? Let's get into it. I reckon one of the first episodes we did, Jesse, we were talking about the new, well, we were proposing a new specialized review. I reckon maybe it was... October, November last year, I'm not 100% sure. And we were sort of discussing, like, did we think it was a big deal? And from memory, I was very much in the camp of, Jesse, this is a big deal. Like, if specialists do something, it's going to set the bar for the industry. That sort of narrative, right? And you were totally against that. You were like, nah, specialized doesn't really matter anymore. And then that's that's where the whole Savello thing started with you because you're like, no, nah, Savello have totally overtaken them, blah, 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 blah. All right. So fast forward to now, and this is kind of probably the biggest bike launch that's happened since we've been doing this stuff, right? So what do you think? Are, are, you, are you on board with the hype train? Not necessarily as it relates to other brands, but let's just... Like, where are we at with the actual bike? Because yesterday we chatted a little bit about it. But if I can just get over the um, beyond gender and the speed sniffer, what do we actually reckon now that the, we've seen the specs and seen it all? And I I actually think, based on the stuff that we would usually get shitty at a, a bike brand for, I actually think the release was pretty moderate. I mean, let's let's look at it objectively. A few watts faster, they say. 16 seconds over 40 kilometers, which is... And assuming that's going to be their best case scenario. So it's barely anything. And I think um, Dave Arthur in in the white paper, they're saying 4 watts because of the handlebar and 4 watts because of the frame. Okay, cool. So pretty pretty marginal. Marginal, that's nothing crazy. It's lighter. Okay, 250 grams lighter for a build. Can't argue with that. I mean... I had a look through the white paper. It's all pretty reasonable. And then you look at the price. The price of the top-end model is actually cheaper. It's actually funny. If you go on a special... If I'm on Specialized Australia. The S-Works Tarmac SL8 with Shimano Di2. Durace 199, And the SL7 version, 20400 So they've taken $500 off the retail price of the top model. So marginal improvement, marketing claims. Remember, remember when the bikes came out, like the Trek Madones and the System Sixes, and it's it's two minutes faster, it's twenty watts faster. That's sort of what I'm used to. So when a brand comes out and basically admits it's pretty much the same, a couple of watts here or there, and we haven't increased the price. In fact, most models are the same price. The top models are a little bit cheaper. I mean, don't we have to think that's like that's pretty good, isn't it? Isn't that what we want from? Isn't that what we've? Is this the opposite of what we've complained about? Bikes getting claims are getting crazier, and the price is getting more expensive. This is none of those two. Uh, I I totally yeah. I mean, you're you're putting it. This this is like the same start as last week, isn't it? You're putting the rational hat on. I think I think personally, the the disappointment that I feel about it is. Going back to that first show that we did 
Like my whole thing was like, this is going to be market. This is where the, the, this will lead where the market goes from here on in. And it will show the direction tech, tech, technology direction that we will take. And, you know, object, you step back and you look at this frame from that perspective and you go, okay, well, there's nowhere here. Like there's, there's no, there's no obvious direction. Yes. But, uh, but that's why I respect it so much. Cause they're basically admitting the bike can't get any faster. I mean, aerodynamically the, since, okay, the, you went to disc brakes and that was a step back and then they've been playing catch up, but you're kind of at, I mean, that's it. So like, they're kind of admitting it and then not upping the price. So from a, this actual bike, I'm kind of saying kudos for them pretty much admitting that this is about as good as they can get it and not doing what I thought they would need to do, which was do a Avenge Vias level of just some gimmicky thing and claim it saves 30 watts. Because they could have done that because people will just eat, eat up whatever they say. They could have done, I guess, what you're saying which has come out of left field with some whiz-bang thing, but they haven't. Yeah, well, you I mean, you called it at some of those trade shows. You were saying lightweight, lightweight is back, and that's clearly this, they've lent further and further into that. I mean, GC's been sending us messages saying that he's got guys building up 6.2, 6.3 kilo road disc bikes with this thing, and that was... That was the big complaint supposedly about the disc brake bikes is they're all too heavy, so we've we've crossed off that box. But how does how does this then compare? I mean, it's, it it kind of feels ridiculous talking about value, but like, is yeah. how does yeah. this then sit with the other line or the the, the competitors? Okay, yeah, let's well let's look at, let's look at it then. So we're looking at the top. You're buying a new bike. You want the the ducks nuts of the whatever brand you're looking at. So the top model. Okay. It's the same, pretty much this, at least, and this is in Australia. It's the same price as the Cannondale Lab 71 Super 6. And it comes with a power meter. That's what I was, sorry, that's what I was going to say. Every single level of the SL8 comes with a power meter. Thumbs up from me. Everyone, if you're buying an S, a Specialized or an S-Works, you should have a power meter. So all of them come with a power meter. And no Shimano power meters. So the Dura-Ace ones are all coming with 4i power meters. So, I mean, like, yeah, they're getting it. I, I, I thought that was cool. So let's, so it's the same price as the Lab 71. Um, and the Lab 71 doesn't come with a power meter. So, I mean, who do, special, uh, who do Cannondale think they are? Since when did Cannondale, <laughs> like, have the... <laughs> Think they're top dog and charging S-Works prices for a Cannondale? Is it just me or is that totally out of line with... That's... I have no answer to that. You're dead right. Like, uh, <laughs> that goes against where I thought Cannondale would, would be headed in the next decade. So, I, I've got no comment on that one. Sorry, you've okay. got me. What, so, not not actually in terms of performance. I'm, this is absolutely... When you're at these prices, it's got nothing to do with performance anyway. So, I'm not saying they can't justify that price as it in terms of how it performs to the yes works but in terms of the brand like <laughs> value it's i thought that were nowhere near so i don't know where they pulled that price from trek madone eighteen thousand. so trek madone's actually about 2k cheaper in australia than the s works but doesn't have a power meter okay s5 17 and a half no power meter though so two and a half grand cheaper without a power meter i mean it's all in that sort of range I mean, when you're up at these prices, $2,000 difference is kind of here nor there. Plus, you don't have a power meter. I, I, I kind of value it when I'm looking at comparing builds. I put a power meter at about $1,000 US dollars because that's mm. the price of, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the Asioma Duos. So that's kind of my how I use that. But really, I mean, in terms of value and in terms of price to performance, you're then looking at, a Canyon CFR, the Matthew Vanderpool World Champs winning bike with a rotor power meter, 14K, $6,000 cheaper. I mean, that's a no-brainer, isn't it? Mm. Propel? Yeah. 14000 and that's with the power meter. Now it's a Shimano power meter, but between the Propel and the Aero, $6,000 cheaper than these top-level bikes now, and they come with a power meter? A uh, couple more. Scott Foyle, 15 and a half, but without a power meter. Marita Reacto, 
Now people are gonna laugh and that I'm putting the Merida Reacto in the same league as an S Works SL8, but from the aero testing I can see, I, it seems to compete, and the weight's not that bad. Merida Reacto, twelve thousand dollars with a power meter, and that's the top. That's the top spec with Durace. And the new O2 van, at eighteen thousand eight hundred with no power meter, and that's that's my list of bikes. So that's a massive range for a top level bikes. Given that the prices for the last few years really have been up at sort of car level. I mean, if I'm looking to buy a decent secondhand car in Australia, just a run around kind of thing, I might be looking between twenty five and thirty five thousand probably secondhand. And you know, an S Works is twenty thousand. You know, the Italian brands are m more than that. So you're kind of the top level bikes now are car, are in car territory. And we know that automotive industry has a lot of issues with people wanting to get a new, new BMW, financing it, and then getting themselves into trouble. Do you reckon there are blokes riding around on an S Works in a bit of financial difficulty because they financed it? There has to be. There has to be. I mean, like, just the, the pure, yeah, the, the pure money involved. Because I did a poll, because uh, I, I went down a rabbit hole in this, because I was like, oh, I'd never really considered fi like that someone would finance a bike co purchase. So I did a, I asked a few people that run bike shops and said, look, roughly out of the bikes you sell, how many are financed? And it fluctuated between, uh, a, like, more than a quarter for for uh, everyday purchases for the helmets and shoes, a lot of people are using the afterpay and the financial services. And for their bike shops that had uh, financial services available available for big purchase items like bikes, it was about a quarter to a third, at least in some shops in the US, that are sold on finance, which blew my mind. <laughs> like up to a third of new bikes are being financed. Now, obviously, in there, there's people that are very switched on financially and don't want to outlay $20,000 one-off, and the, but they have the money, so they probably be siphoned the money off from their accounts into an offset account or something, and they're using it as a smart play to save on that the opportunity cost of that cash not being with them. So there's definitely people using that if it's on offer, but I find it hard to believe that that quarter to a third of people in some shops are, um, you know... The financial planners of the world. There's got to be. Let, we got to. We got to ask. Like, is it anyone watching? Is anyone got a, a mate that's riding an S Works that probably shouldn't? They got it. They got to exist. I'd have to think. You, you wouldn't think twice about financing a car or even a loan for a, a trip that might cost that kind of level, but to to do it for a bike. Or maybe it's because it it feels like <laughs> a bike is more of a a hobby thing that should just be a mm a light you, you know less of a less of a commitment it should be like a massive financial gain on you um but you've got to be right i mean it i know you see the comment all the time like oh dentists and doctors are delighted by this release that kind of stuff but it can't it, we know it's not just dentists and doctors buying these bikes <laughs> so yeah it, it has to be people have to be going down that route the other thing that kind of comes up as well is this oh but the because you know the pros riding custom layup frames and then the they were talking about the layup in the, in the new SL8 and how it's so much stiffer and, and lighter weight and I kind of people want the S-Works brand because it's frothy which I get but do you really want the S-Works bike? I mean why does yeah Rob from Manning Valley Cycling Club want to be on the same frame as Fabio Jakobsen. I mean, that's to like, it's way too stiff. It's not going to be comfortable enough. It's way too fragile. I've, I was thinking about it more and thinking, you know, the fact that the pros get the custom layup frames is actually probably a good thing. Don't you reckon? 100%. So, okay. I've, I've been thinking a bit about this, right? Um, so here's, it's, I think it's like a tiered, a tiered influencer system, right? So hear me out. Okay. We've got uh, at the at the top. We've got Remco. All right. So Remco is the peak of the S Works influencer pyramid. Now beneath beneath him are people really involved, like re like 
really involved in watching pro cycling and and the rest of it and they see they see Remco on it and these are performance orientated people all right and they might be they might be the people that were doing the race I was doing on the weekend okay Th- those people they see Remco on it and they're like I want that bike because I saw Remco right away from the rest of the world tour peloton in Wollongong to win a win the world championships I want that bike okay so they're influenced by Remco now those people right at that that next sort of level down they're like the best riders in their in their weekend bunches and so mm-hmm. the, all the other people at their weekend bunches see let's call could say Adam right Adam on the S works and they're like oh, what do you, what do you think of the bike and Adam likes the bike right cuz he's he's mm. Spent 20K on it, so he's going to say he likes it. And so then that person gets influenced by that person. So I reckon that's how that's how Rob at, where was he, Manning Valley, gets the bike. It's kind of, <laughs> it's not because Remco's on it. It's because the trickle-down system happened and then, you know, you, you'll go into the, the specialized store and honestly, like, here's the other kind of thing with this. They do it really, really well. I think we totally, we... We're so removed from how well specialized do bikes, especially in the US or maybe on the West Coast of the US. Like the shops just look mint. Like, and the salespeople, everything is, yeah, it's like kind of an Apple store setup, right? And, you know, it's so easy to just, to, to all you ever talk about and think about. We were talking about this the other day, like everyone's in their little bubbles. Well, I tell you what, that specialized bubble is a nice, mm-hmm clean air-conditioned place to be so you think if pros are on a special layout bike and that bike is then released to the public you think that is going to be a dramatically different riding experience for for rob is that the theory here uh i think so well i think it's just not a bike that would be what he he wants i mean if you look at the you read through the specialized white paper on the SLA and you're going, well, none of these things are now, uh, none of these things are really suited for the, the end person that you actually need to buy this bike to make money because there's, uh, there's 500,000 Robs and there's only a thousand Adams. So the bike actually needs to be good for Rob, not for Adam and certainly not for Remco. So I actually, now I I was sort of um, a bit, conspiracy all oh, these custom layup frames for pros is bullshit it's all done to sell but i'm actually like actually it's probably a good thing because that means the bike that they're selling is better suited to rob and then the pros get the frame that's better suited to them so now they obviously they probably don't want to admit that because it's it doesn't look good but it makes sense don't you think I see where you're sort of torn with this because ultimately is Rob buying it because he wants Remco's bike, but Remco's bike's not actually what would be good for Rob. Yeah. It's like a fraud, but it's kind of a means to an end that's actually good for the consumer. So we should all be happy that the fraud is occurring. Yeah. But that's kind of got nothing to do with, I, that was got nothing to do with the SLA. That's just, yeah, a general comment because probably all the brands do it. Yeah. Actually, not all the brands. I wonder what brands don't do it. Are there any brands you think that you see that you think, yeah, that's the same frame? I this is giant. pure speculation because we yeah, I'd, I'd, I've heard I'd, you think giant. Yeah. I'd say giant. Yeah, I definitely think giant. Mm-hmm. Um, you think? But wouldn't it be easy? Because giant owned their factories. Wouldn't it actually be easiest for giant to do it? Given that. Yeah, but I'm speculating here with no with no facts. I'm just merely speculating okay. <laughs> um yeah no, that, that's probably that is probably right but i i know factor do a special so factor do their team bikes from taiwan not from china I might leave that then we don't really have any good info <laughs> on it uh pure speculation um the only thing i was going to say is you're you're clearly you've had your mind blown because you're in the u.s at the moment you've obviously gone to a specialized store but i can tell you unless people have are kind of in your bubble with the froth because they've been to the S Works special, so a specialized store. I'm nowhere near as excited as you are. <laughs> mm. <laughs> that's no. maybe that's more. Oh, no, I, I, yeah. I, I get it. I think I just just more coming to, me coming to terms with that with that reality because I was definitely 
of your your thinking. Like even the the ride I did on Sunday, I was talking to this guy who was on a giant, and he and the the poor guy felt like he had to defend himself to me that he was on a giant and he wasn't on a specialized. And I was like, mate, I chill. Like I, I'm happy for you that you're on a giant. It's like, yeah, they're, but they're really good bikes. They're really good. I'm like, I know they're really good bikes. You don't need to prove this to me. <laughs> but yeah, and obviously the majority of the other people are all on on treks and and specialized. So. Yeah, I, I can totally see like when we made that, we what was it? It was like Trek is dead or something. I can kind of half see how half of America bloody shut themselves over that comment. But anyway, I think you're probably right. It's it's a gonna it, look. It'll sell bucket loads. There's no two ways about that. I I do feel like the whole marketing, like the marketing that we see with specialized, is sort of almost irrelevant because the the customer base is so big. And I think we were saying this last week that we were a bit unimpressed with the way it was launched and stuff, but it doesn't matter. Like the customers are going to go nuts for it. I was underwhelmed with the release, but I, that's actually what I, that's what I wanted. That's what I want. We shouldn't be blown out of the water every time a new bike gets released. So that's, yeah, that was my uh, over, overall take on it. What From a YouTube perspective though, like all the standard guys did their, did their reviews. Yeah, I, Alex. I, can I give you my um my uh, uh my my walkthrough? I did the Dave Arthur. What's the spec sheet? Show me the pretty pictures. Did the did the GC? Him on his screen recording talking talking about it. Then I did. Then Peak Talk did his release. So watch that one for the more cynical view on it. And then I got some of the. I got a bicotic. You seen that guy? Uh, he where he he just talked over the frame. He does the he runs that website where you can see the geometries and stuff, and he kind of overlaid the frame. So I kind of went that was that kind of got to my homepage. So bit of a different look at it, and that was that was actually probably only four videos I watched on it. I, I watched Alex da- Alex Dowsett's one. It disappoints me a little bit that he doesn't do more and better reviews, and I wish he hadn't signed a deal or whatever it is with Specialized because I do genuinely think. He could do some super bike reviews because he's, yeah, you know, he's the, he's got the history, but he's also clearly techie and he knows what he likes. <sighs> you want to go the other way? You want to go hard? Chris. That was his video. It's just yeah. such a good bike. He did, uh, that's his, that, that was the, t- it's just, it feels quick. He's literally like the degrader on the club ride. They just bought it. <laughs> And been riding for two weeks. That was the extent <laughs> of his review. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> anyway, I'll yeah, leave but he that did his local. He yeah. did his local loop faster. You know what are you talking about, Jesse? That was scientific. <laughs> Come on. And don't worry Not about it, the fact yeah, that he stopped whatever. to do some filming. <laughs> but jeez. Not that it needed to be anything. I just whatever, whatever. This <laughs> I don't know. Do you know? I did notice though through watching all this stuff. There's no American, I mean, obviously Grant, but like there's no American bike reviews. Like all the magazines are UK-based. The the YouTubers are UK-based. Our Legion, not have they been on it? Can't message uh, Justin, he blocked me. Uh, is it just me or is is the S, the, the S-Works, the road promotion, or actually even pro because they don't have a US pro team, is Legion. Is pretty much what they're relying on. Yeah. Don't you reckon? Yeah. They don't need... Right. Yeah, they got the stores, as you say. Yeah. All right, let us know down below. I don't know. Actually, no, don't. That's, that's it. SL8 done. SL9, three years. We'll, we'll <laughs> chat to you then. 2023 Road slash Criterium World Championships has been run and won. Say a little dig in there. Did you see that? We're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about this. What a race. That was so good. That was... Yeah, I mean, that was amazing. Now, first thing... The protest that stopped them for like an hour. Why is climate protesting blocking a bike race? It's cycling. 90% of the people watching are cyclists and are probably sympathetic to your, already sympathetic to your cause. Go and, of all the things, go to the shell down the road and sit and glue your hand to the freaking pavement. I just don't, I can't understand why you'd protest a bike race. Yes, there is sponsors that do their green washing or whatever. Okay, sure. G- Team GB sponsored by Shell. Okay, but 
I can I can think of so many other places to go and protest than interrupting a bike race. God, it just puts me It's global coverage. It's just it's just pure how 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 what's the easiest way to get on the evening news? Well, it's not to to go and chain yourself to the shell refinery. It's to interrupt the globally broadcast um sporting event. It doesn't matter that it was cycling. It could have been women's football. It could have been anything, but as long as it was globally covered, then you're going to go plaster yourself onto it. But yeah. I don't, okay. All right. Well, it's a, and the same with like, I'm vegetarian. I'm sympathetic to the vegan protesters. It doesn't mean I think they should go and hang a flag off the Sydney Harbour Bridge and interrupt traffic all morning. It just pisses everyone off. I, I just don't under, I hate that interruptive protesting for people that are already probably sympathetic to you. It just does nothing. Anyway, moving on. Uh, the actual race. Um, there was, when the course was released, and even in the week before, there was, I saw quite a few people and teams complaining about the course, that it was too too hard or too dangerous or too many corners. But man, that creates for an amazing race. That was just, what a spectacle. That threw like all the usual um ways that we would watch a bike race just got thrown out the window there you could not you couldn't even put it on two times like that had to be watched in like actual real time because if you went two times you could have missed something and i was watching it and then about i think it was 50k to go or something i was watching it with my wife i was like Im- imagine if it rained here how dangerous this would be of especially over that you guys will remember that the tiled section, there was like a kilometre with actual tiles. I was like, if it was raining here, this would be carnage. And then no doubt, 30 seconds later, it's raining and Trenton's off the front. And it was just edge of your seat stuff. Just amazing sports viewing. And I know the riders probably hated it and think it's dangerous. I completely disagree. Uh, toughen up. You are paid handsomely to do a job. And sometimes that job involves risks. And, I, you know, it comes down to what is what is considered dangerous. I mean, yeah, it's super freaking slippery and there's a gazillion corners. But if you come off on one of those corners, which is highly likely when it rains, what's you slide into the barriers. Worst that happens, maybe you do a collarbone. Okay? But to me, that's way less dangerous than any number of Tour de France stages bombing down an alpine descent at 80k an hour. So I think the riders absolutely probably, I'd say 98% of the riders hated that course. I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't I, I'd push back on 98% hating that. I mean, there were a few vocal people in the press, a few team managers. The new generation of guys coming through, I just, just think they pin a number on and, and rip in. Like... There seems to be like this tipping point of like the, the age group of like sort of where are we? Maybe maybe Trenton would be a good sort of balance of it, but everyone younger than him kind of feel like they just rip in. Could not disagree more. I reckon there okay. was probably, I mean, how many guys would have seen that course profile when it was released and just go, I'm not even going. I mean, guys like... Okay, well, there's the terrain of it because it wasn't hilly, but I think there's a lot of guys that just go, it's in Glasgow, high chance of rain, and we're doing a crit around the city. No thanks, not going. So of the people that were even there to begin with, I mean, you go on Strava. So do go on Strava and go on one of the pros' rides, and then you can see the group of riders they're with, and almost every second person was the, the mind-blown emoji at just how up <laughs> that course was. <laughs> and... Yeah, I find it hard to believe there'd be many people going, oh, that was a great course. Well, I'll potentially accept that. I'll potentially accept that. All right, well, we know who did, uh, we know who did like the course. And um, I don't, yeah, I, ugh, oh, how do I do this? Because I don't want to turn this into uh, Jonas 2.0 chat. But there is something that kind of sits with me a bit I I just don't know, and this is this is someone will say, oh, because he can corner and all this sort of stuff. But I just find it very. <laughs> I, don't, I really don't know what word to use here because if I say something like surprising, it's the uh, yeah people will make the link. But look, the reality is, Vanderpol at the tour was was dog shit, and a couple of weeks later, he's he's not only won the race, but let's be honest, he was 
multiple percents better than anyone else on the on the day. I mean, that's just the fact. Like, mm-hmm. Ha- mm-hmm. how? Like, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, and I, he was on antibiotics at the tour, by the way. So he was sick. He was sick enough to be on antibiotics. Really, he did a few lead outs. That's basically what he did at the tour. And then two weeks later, he's got such a crazy rebound in form that he's just pretty much toying with everyone at Worlds. I mean, it really wasn't close. And yes, he can corner, obviously. But And I think Pedersen... Let's just cover some of the most obvious things people are going to say. I think Pedersen just wasted so much energy. I don't know what he was doing. So there's definitely people that didn't play. He was really smart with his energy, but he had a shitload of energy to use. And yes, the re- so the rebound in form, I, I mean, I don't know. It, I, I, it's definitely, as someone who's interested in the physiological side of the sport, I find it fascinating how you can just see these... Un- these um, I can't... I mean, unbelievable. Yeah, I don't hate that word. I, yeah. It's I'm that, surprised you even brought this it. up, Chris, because I, I don't like doing doping chat. And this... I'm, this isn't even doping chat. This is just, I, I kind of sit and look at these performances and go, wow, I'd love to know, you know, I'd love to really dig deep into the, how, what's the, what's the context of his training and his recovery um, that has gotten him a different rider in two weeks? Because it's fascinating. It really is. doesn't mean he's doping, but it's, it's in terms of physical performances, it's just amazing how they just, I don't know how they time it. And I'm a coach, re- and I'm even just like I don't know. It's crazy. The reason I brought that up, right, is I, I did I followed all the stuff that happened after the race. Listened to Lantanus. Listened to the the tactical stuff. Like I know maybe Belgium overplayed their card, and oh, they gave him an easy ride. All this this sort of stuff. Um, then there's the oh, he's cycle cross background, so he's got this punchiness, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I hear this, and then I hear the oh, well, he's you know he can float through the corners because he's used to this and he's used to that, and it just all kind of people build this narrative around the cyclist but they almost and it's this it's it's like a they build this kind of it's like an art they, they've they've created this sort of this beautiful artwork of a cyclist and i that kind of annoys me because ultimately it's the athletic performance that won him the race and I feel like we get so hyped up into oh he fell off and look his blood's coming everywhere and the the romance of it and, and this and that's wonderful it's beautiful it's part of the sport etc. But the athletic achievement of going from dog shit two weeks ago to just pissy, pissing over sorry to be swearing all the time but that's kind of how I felt with it like <laughs> it just blew my mind and it's more than just he could corner well and he's done. Lots of cycle cross events, like yeah, that, that's kind of what I I'm wanted with to, you. to say without acu- ac- yep. like without accusing him of things. You know what, Chris? I actually feel I'm a bit disappointed in myself a little bit because I also feel like it's an interesting discussion that's missing. I just don't have, I just don't. Ha- uh, what's the word? I'm not Vanderpool's coach. I can't come on. I would. I would be. I would love to come on. And really lay it all out and kind of explain it. I just don't have the data or the knowledge to do that. Because I feel like if I did, I'd be a good person to probably do that. Um, but yeah, there's basically just this whole part of his ride. Let's say, okay, let's put a number on it. Okay. Probably 70%, I would say, of his of that ride is the amazing turnaround in his form. 30% because he's a world-class bike handler yada 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 which have already been said i reckon 70 percent. no one really mentioned which is how has he gotten himself in such good health and in good shape to do that and again doesn't mean we're saying he's doping i would just be interested if you know for that discussion to happen unfortunately i can't offer that discussion because i don't i don't know because it just uh, specifically with him interests me so much because he, he he seems to do the peak and trough thing so often and there's such high peaks, whereas like your Van Art and Pogacar, they're so kind of monotone throughout the season. Like from a purely like athletic perspective, it doesn't interest me as much. It's not saying that I'm not as like I'm not thinking other thoughts about them, but it's just it doesn't that 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 kind of variation isn't isn't there as much. 
Mm. And then maybe um, it is. I mean, maybe. So one of the okay, let's say so one of the possible things is maybe he just isn't as disciplined as a Pedersen or a a, 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 a Van Art week to week. So maybe he goes a bit off, the, which is kind of his personality. Remember Jay talking about he's a bit of a child, like a grown boy, man child. So maybe he kind of just goes off the reservation a bit, but then will just can ha- can really just nail in for a month. And he's just so talented, more talented than the rest. He can pull off it. Maybe it's that. Maybe it is. He's just not as good at being disciplined at the other times where he gets more fluctuations. But again, I don't, would just be purely guessing because I don't know his training. So it's a good win. It's a good win. He is going to wear. Here's the thing. He's clearly going to go full whites. He's. I. I, I mean, would you agree? He's going to go full yep. bibs, full jersey, like just white skin suit. Yep. Hope so. Mm-hmm. Mm. I also I want to see something else. I want to see brought back the full like pre and post race. I want the full white tracksuit, tracksuit like white with uh-huh. rainbow stripes <laughs> along the side. Like because he does, he runs a good tracksuit. I've seen him in videos and stuff with the with the tracksuit on. So I want to see the full world champs white tracksuit at all pre and post events. That'd be a nice touch. Mm-hmm. Can we also get? Can the wheel sponsors get on board too? You, got, you have these amazing paint-up frames and these boring black carbon wheels. Can we get some bunny hop wrap on the wheels and just go rainbow? So when those things spin up and you get the side-on shot, it should just be a rainbow, big rainbow or something. Yeah. Fantastic. There's uh, gains yep. to be made, wheel wheel wraps. Can I talk about totally more agree. world stuff? I'm, I'm worried about the time trial. I'm worried. I reckon Remco... Do you see how tanned he was? He's obviously been training about fifty hours a week because he's 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 almost he's almost interracial at this stage. He was that dark, <laughs> and then and and also he's got that chip in his shoulder because he had a shitty road race. He looked like he was his cornering was terrible. His arms are straight going through the corners, but half the time he doesn't even have his outside foot down. I don't know. I think he must have been spooked from his crashes, um, but his cornering was crap. I have a feeling this time trial he's going to come out and just d- obliterate everyone because he kind of does that. He gets angry and, f- and and fired up and just will... I have a feeling he's just going to absolute steamroller this time trial into oblivion, I have to predict. Yeah, it'll be full full, full, full sooky, sooky Remco spec. I need to also out myself uh just quickly with uh matt dinham matt massive shout to you awesome awesome ride uh i may or may not have been involved in a chat group during the week uh pre the worlds where i said something along the lines of what's the story with matt dinham how comes he keeps getting selected for all these amazing races like seriously good bloke good rider but like why is he getting selected for like the five star races every every race that's why Chris, that's why, because uh, clearly <laughs> a lot of people have seen a lot of talent in him. Like it, yeah. Like the guy just from from Sydney. It was less than twelve months ago that he was kind of okay. Race, yeah, racing around. Anyway, I'll shut up. Well, well done, Matt. Well done. <laughs> it was only in sort of the last twelve months Matt was just obliterating some Strava segments. But I was, I have a feeling Strava segments are kind of. The climbs. Maybe we had this chat a while ago, but they're they're dying because I went to was having a look at most of the main segments, at least in in and around Sydney and down south in the Southern Highlands. And there hasn't been since COVID. There hasn't been many many good times, or many even attempts. Mm. Remember back 2017, 2018, I reckon. Once a fortnight, we'd be having some sort of chat about some person who's done a climb on a time somewhere. It was a pretty regular part of our cycling discussion. And I don't reckon we've chatted Strava segment times for about a year. Oh, I think you're, I do think you're right. I think that ultra competitiveness that was being bottled up for a year was, was being used in Everesting and Strava segmenting and all the rest. I was, I was having a little, little look around here, actually. Like, oh, is there any low-hanging fruit I could could chase? And all those all those times are also optimized. Like, everyone has found the tailwind day. They've got the the twenty four degrees or the you know seventy degree Fahrenheit day. No one's doing it in the middle of summer. 
it's mm. yeah I, I feel like it's uh i think when we did talk about this last time we kind of were like well is it is it time for a reset should should they just like thanos it and totally like hit the button and just <laughs> back to back to ground zero i don't know like or do you reckon trainings killed it i reckon coaches have killed the strava segment now and indoor training because now no one you know remember back in the day you'd have like a here's a name here's a name i'm gonna roll one out roll one out for you you'd have a brian collegia all right and he would just have a rip on a segment and maybe you have the club mates would go along and that was like that was what you were looking at that was your gold standard now everyone's kind of doing their own training and my, oh, my efforts don't fit that segment, yada, yada, yada. So you just don't have, you know, that the 17, 18-year-olds now aren't having a rip. They're just, they're, they're, uh, they're, tr- they're just doing efforts, effies, mate. So you, you, you as a coach then, like if, if someone's got, if someone's got two, three hours endurance, right? Three hours endurance, right? And an athlete says to you, right, um, yep, three hours endurance, no problems. On the way, there's like this eight minute segment I was going to have an absolute squeeze at like are you allowed to as a as an athlete or are you a strict no you got to just chill oh on an endurance ride just do your do your aerobic endurance but I'll quite often I'll give efforts and just say on the last one just pick the segment and go for that I'll try and include it because I think it's important otherwise you, you just get delusional as well if all you're doing is just your sessions and you're stuck with your own numbers but you're like well actually how fast are you because okay some of the top times on Strava segments are you know gale force (laughs) tailwind but it gives you a decent idea of actually how fast can you pedal your bike up a climb not just oh my 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 special power meter said I did six watts per kilo okay that's good for training but at least every now and again have a rip yeah, but you you kind of just you just proved the point then because the day that you want to do the absolute rip for me is like if I'm going to go do three hours of endurance and have just one absolute rip tear, like I don't want to do my my Strava segment go on my fourth effort. Like clearly that's not going to be the the one that I'm going to be doing a good time on. So yeah uh, so that was just an example i i do i i also do set um to to you know sessions like we were doing for for nationals you know a two max hill climb day two by eight or, or a three okay. by eight that sort of thing yeah. um yes yeah I, I i will often often set that but it doesn't the problem is as a coach it doesn't you know if you chat to the athlete and they kind of understand they're all they're all on board but it, I think some coaches are probably apprehensive to set that because it looks like slop. Like, what, you're a coach? You're just telling me to go out and ride a climb hard? How is that, you know? It, it doesn't look as cool as do your over-unders at 107.5%, you know, whatever it is. You're dead right, though, about going fast so, up a climb. Yeah. Like, I know, I know people who can put, and with accurate power meters, who would put out, Big numbers, and they were just slow. They just didn't make their bikes go very fast. <laughs> and other people who were just, I don't know, it was just a real efficiency to their riding with the same numbers, but their bikes went faster. And it is it is a skill you can learn by just looking at speed, you know? Like, I'm not going to name names in this one, can I just point out? <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just quickly, while we're talking about, um, like, on well not online stuff, but like climbing and things. So the Garmin Climb Pro, which is their sort of following climb feature. So I've been using that over here in the US. It's so much better here because obviously the metadata that they have for the climbs is just fifty times more accurate than than in Australia. So on the climb, and you see that you know. Remember, you've seen the the graph thing that, or the the grade things you're riding along on the screen, and it's like yep. every ten meters accuracy, what grade you're about to you're on, what's coming up. Whereas in Australia, it's very much this random kind of guesstimation as to, as to what's coming up. So yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to say that because I loved it. So were you? Awesome. So you were you running that at Patterson Pass, the road race? 100%. Having so that on screen. I actually, so what I did is I 
used the course. So you put the course in for the it was three laps and each time we started a new lap, I would reload the course on the, on the head unit and it would give me the climb every time. And I can tell you, even on the, the third lap, I was basically just staring at the Garmin to tell me what was coming up because it was a super undulating sort of thing. And yeah, I, I honestly reckon that's a performance advantage, full stop. Oh, that's a massive gain. That's like probably the next, I mean, riding the course and not actually knowing the climb is the best if you can remember it. But if you can't do that, I mean, that's a massive gain. You can be getting even, I'm thinking even back to, you know, something like Barrel Classic and you're going up that final climb and it's pitching up. And if you haven't ridden the climb, you've got, how do you know when to go absolutely balls to the wall to hold the wheel or when you should probably just hold back at the red line and wait? And you, if you don't, if you haven't ridden the climb and you don't have your, your climb pro or your route profile, you're totally in the in the dark. How can you race properly? So that's a killer. Yeah. Definitely. And these, these climbs were kind of similar to that last one at Barrel in the sense that it's a real steppy one. So, you know, you might be on 11%, but then it'll crest and, and almost be flat. And so you can, you can be looking down and saying, right, well, I will squeeze over this because I know I do get the, I do get the rest on the other side. It takes out that guess. You know how you do that thing where you start to you start to guess, like when a when a bend sort of starts to go around, and you're like, "Oh, that's the that's the cresting type curve on on the top of the climb," and it changes from like almost like state to state, I reckon. And so you get into a kind of a a, a system of like, going, "Okay, well that's the that's the cresting that, that's going to tip down on the other side of that." So it takes away any of that guesstimation, which is. Yeah, kind of good. So you got a full. Ca- What's this fake news? Road racing's dead in the US. Bullshit. You've got, a, you've you've done a year of, you've basically got a year of Australian domestic road racing in in the span of three weeks. It looks like. What the hell? This is the biggest fake news story of the year. So I don't know whether this is a situation of it was this, the the scene was incredible, like a few years ago, <clears throat> and now it is deteriorating a little bit, but. Yeah, exactly. Dead right. Like I'm here for a month and there's there's a good solid bike race on absolutely every month. And when I say like bike race, like that was potentially the hardest bike race I will do all year. Like a proper, what was it? Two and a half thousand meters of climbing, 100K, full, legit, everything. Great, great stuff. So I I don't know where the, the narrative comes that it's... The racing is there, but I think I think what people are kind of giving out about is that it's it's very inconsistent. So bike the races do get cancelled very often, and that's seemingly mm-hmm. the thing that people are getting sort of confused by or put off by is they'll they'll plan to do an event and the week of or a couple of weeks before it gets it gets binned, and then once it gets binned, it doesn't ever exist again. The other thing I didn't really realize is that NorCal. And SoCal are two very different entities, like to the to the extent that they have their absolutely their own race calendars. I think they have their own championships from memory from one of the guys was was telling me. So it's it's completely completely separate. And I, I feel like there's a bit of a we're better than you as well, like from from both of them. But um look, as far as I don't know, I was saying this to you the other day, like if you came here and did a month of road racing, it's a solid, like that's a, that's a, what do you call it? A block. That'd be a solid block yep. of road racing. And it was 45 bucks <laughs> entry. Like I'm not, I'm not talking yeah. about like $400 for a Fondo type thing. It wasn't glamorous. It was as glamorous as every other road race I've ever done where you park in a side of the road, you know, with dust blowing in you and there's no shelter for anyone and you pin a number on and, the marshal shouts at you for not pinning it on correctly again. And you go and do your three hours and there's a feed zone and no neutral spares, but who gives a shit? Whoever crosses the line is the winner and someone takes a photo of you on the podium at the end and you get a little envelope with 20 bucks in it and a T-shirt and a T-shirt. I mean, come on. Yes. That's a step forward, Brent. And and the other thing, like good photographers, they had a proper photographer there, like – just I don't know. I just ticked all the boxes that I was normally whinging about road racing. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about yeah. the team stuff at, my, at some point. Maybe maybe next week with Tyler when we can get him on at some point. But because that that is that's an angle that's 
Yeah, that's interesting. But everyone is on a team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Every single person is on a team. Do you want to mention skin suits? Did you have a little skin suit discussion you wanted to have? I was going to, well, because you raced in, so it was, what, it was what, 40 Celsius up the climb? 100 plus Fahrenheit? And you raced in the new Euro suit. And I was genuinely asking, yeah, what, how, did it, how did it go? How did it perform? I'm curious. Uh, yeah, it was good. It was fine. There's no problems. I, did a, I had a little unzip, um, <laughs> a little s- small unzip there just to, to get a bit of, a bit of flow. Um, what else can I say about it? Look, I think my only comment was I didn't feel like at any point that the, the, it wasn't breathable. Right? Like those issues, the two pocket thing, which was my sort of concern, wasn't wasn't too bad for a three hour event. I could quite quite easily get in what I needed there. But like heat wise, okay, so it's definitely lighter than the Rule Twenty Eight stuff. That is clearly a thicker fabric, like suited to a UK fifteen, sixteen to twenty degree ish. I, I rode that at Grafton and that was kind of those sort of temperatures. You would not have run that rule twenty eight, um, the three quarter sleeve one at that event. That would have been way too hot. Oh can I uh, can I just say as well I haven't actually told you this, Chris, but I, I so I kind of give you kit uh, I'll get a I'll get one of my orders in, whether it's a coaching kit or something else, and I'll, you know, give you one to wear. And then I I don't usually I don't ask for your feedback. But I do the, let's just give it to him and see if he wears it. See if he, you know, see if he wears it. And I noticed, so the fact that you wore the skin suit in that road race on Sunday, it says enough because Mr. Chris Miller, I'm telling you, man's got a wardrobe. And the other thing as well, the coaching bib shorts, which I did, right? The gave, gave, you, gave you two sets of coaching kit. And I've seen you, you know, down in, down in Barrie or in Centennial Park, He's wearing the bib shorts. Didn't ask him to with a Rafa jersey. So, you know, it speaks volumes that you choose, you're choosing to wear some of the kit I've given you. So that's the first time I've told you that. But uh, that's how I judge if you like the kit or not. Is Does he choose to wear this? Yes? Okay. It must be pretty good. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, oh, skin suits. That's why this was, this was also relevant is because Paz, Paz Normal have released a skin suit. It's their first skin suit. It's five hundred US dollars. So it's the uh, four hundred fifty-five euro actually. Five hundred about five hundred US. The the Mechanism Pro Speed Suit. Now, this is what I was interesting because I'm thinking, okay, you're in the you you do some racing. You're in the market for a a skin suit. You've either got go the value option. So try and get the cheapest one of the decent quality. So maybe you're looking at, of, of the ones that stock them regularly, maybe a DHB or, um, yeah, maybe a, a Santini, that sort of thing, a cheaper one. Or you just, you, you want a skin suit and you're willing to spend whatever it costs, right? But if I'm, if I'm looking for, looking at spending four or $500 on a skin suit, at that price range, don't you want something that's been validated in a wind tunnel? Because at that price, isn't that? I would think that's what you're paying for. You, you you're paying for the the R and D that's gone into it. Otherwise, what's you know why 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 does it cost that much? So this this uh, Paz normal one, right? Let me just read through it. So firstly, there's absolutely no mention of wind tunnel. So as far as I can tell, it's never they've never actually tested it. It's just saying unique structurally mapped fabrics. For a speed optimized construction, okay, but they haven't said they've tested it. It's blah blah blah. It's a second skin feeling, and yeah, to create a new caliber of pro cycling apparel. So basically, it's just a non-tested, cool-looking speed suit. But at that price, right? If you're up going for the upper range of spin suit, what else can you get? So the Rule Twenty Eight one, their fastest road skin suit. If you you can get that and the Aero Bra. For five hundred and twenty US dollars, and in there you're paying for the fact that it's actually been tested and optimized, or you can get two of their road race skin suits for three hundred and ninety-five dollars. You can get two Rule Twenty Eight road race skin suits for cheaper than one untested Pasnol Mal one. Let me bear with me here, Chris. No pins. You can get the No Pins Flow Sub Zero road race suit again. Tested apparently 
and optimized 290 US dollars. The drag to zero encapsulated TT suit. That's the Alex Dowsett hour record one. Uh, 470 US dollars. So again, still cheaper. Uh, and the Rafa Pro Team Aero suit. I'm not sure if that's how much wind tunnel testing that's had. But again, that's only 375 and that's Rafa. So, uh, I mean, 500 US for a non-aero optimized mm. Paznor Mouse speed suit. You are dreaming. I mean, <laughs> uh, we had the kit brand on but the other is- week and I was thinking, I gave him a pass. Hold on. I gave him a pass. I said, it's fashion, fair play, you know, go ahead. But to me, this, this is what, this is what would bug me, right? So, because it's a, it's, it's a speed suit that hasn't had the R&D that's more expensive than the brands that are actually doing R&D to make the skin suits actually fast. Because, I, I mean, yeah, you answered the question the other week. Like, this is fashion, not performance. And I, I almost like the fact that they don't talk about wind tunnels and, and all that sort of stuff. They're not pretending that it is a performance yeah, they are. kit. The person yeah, wearing they are. this... Sorry. They, yes, but they've so they haven't put it in the wind tunnel, but they've made the aero claims. So, right, let me read uh, this. Speed suit provide a speed optimized construction. Well, if you haven't tested it, how would you know it's speed optimized? Just because it's got strips on the fabric and it's copying the fabric that a brand that actually does testing has used doesn't mean it's speed optimized. Uh, the final choice of finishing construction embodies our pursuit of creating a new caliber of pro cycling apparel. No, you're creating a new caliber of expensive fashion apparel, not pro-cycling, speed-optimized apparel. I think this is... Yeah. No, 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 no. Don't like it. I don't like it. Fair enough. So another alternative I would offer would be... So Pedal Mafia have one for 300 US, um, which is... I'm just looking through their chat now, but it's it's doing the design to meet the needs of weekend races... It's not giving any uh, wind tunnel claims as such. It looks, look, it, it looks like a black race in suit with a couple of pockets on the back. That's around the 300 mark. Um, the guys we chatted about the other week, that BBUK, they do one. This is, this is kind of interesting. I, I, it wasn't that long ago that to buy a skin suit or a speed suit was a really unique purchase. But now most of even the internet brands seem to be doing a skin suit. So there's obviously there's obviously a bit of a, a market for it. What's this? This is 278, so like 300 US. I don't know. I kind of feel like that number isn't too bad for a for a fashion brand for for something like this. You know, it's Jersey and Knicks. So the the Bubik the Bubik ones 278 euro. The 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 Paz normal ones 455. Though I, I do <laughs> I keep mean, getting corrected on this. It's as as norm as normal, you don't pronounce the p. We keep getting this comment. Fuck off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, who's told you that? Triggered some. Yep. Some. Oh yep. my god, is that it? Were you? Is that? A, was that a prank? Are you pranking me? Or did someone actually say that? Hundred percent. And the people that comment, oh, whatever. I'll say people who comment are like not happy that we don't pronounce it correctly. Yeah. So, oh. There you go. <laughs> oh god! Oh, oh, oh go. my god! Ah, ah normal. Us, us ah. normal. You're dreaming. Four fifty-five euro. <laughs> you haven't done wind tunnel testing. It's not speed optimized. You get out of here. Get absolutely out of here. If you actually care about riding your bike, go and buy one from a brand that actually tests the product in a wind tunnel. No pins. Rule 28, whatever. Drag to zero, please. That's where you should spend we'll get your 500 the Nero one. How many left? US dollars. None, they're gone. Can't get them. <laughs> they're gone. But again, gone. we haven't gone. tested Limited. it. I'm not, I'm not going to go and put aero. <laughs> I can't put aero speed optimized in the description. I haven't tested it. Even like that's doesn't, that's fraud. It's not aero optimized. How do they know? Now, maybe they have taken it to, look. I'll say here, maybe Paz, sorry, maybe Ars Normal has taken it to the wind tunnel 
In which case, I'll take it all back. But let's, if they have, they should put the wind tunnel re- testing results in the, in the product description. Yes. <laughs> uh, so yeah, the Nero suit is uh, sold out. Sorry, guys. If you wanted one, they're all gone. Maybe do another mm. one down the track. Yes. Good. On that note, I think we might end up, Jesse. Uh, thank you for your time. <laughs> Ah, oh, God. Gotta love the Nero show. I feel like we've just... Yeah. <laughs> we've, we've made no ground in actually anything meaningful this episode. <laughs> it's just going in, going in circles. Anyway, thanks for listening, if you have. <laughs> and, uh, we'll, see you. we'll see you next yeah. week as we continue to circle <laughs> around and around and around. All right. Talk to you then. See ya. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. warbyparker.com covered.